Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I am Alex. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Gojo. I'm Tim. Today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been watching. We're going to go into actors and writers and directors' personal preferences and how it bleeds into their work. And then uh, we'll do a full review of Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim. Possibly a little bit of feedback. Specific Rim? Specific Rim. Not to be a downer for the second week in a row, but Cory Monteith of Glee fame passed away this past week. And, and uh, more importantly to the podcast, he was uh, he played Charlie on Kyle XY. And I very sincerely did enjoy his performance as Charlie. I did like him a lot in that show. And I even watched a little bit of Glee, too. Not to throw all of my credit out of the door, but... Street cred gone. I watched I watch six episodes of Glee. Yeah? So, yeah. Glee 2, like the sequel to Glee? Yeah. Glee 2, Electric Boogaloo. The Streets. Glee 2, The Streets. <laughs> the Squeakle. Um, but anyway, Cory Monteith passed away. That's very sad. He was 31 years old, and nobody deserves that. So, people need to stop dying so this podcast doesn't start off depressing. But anyway. We can talk about who was born. <laughs> <laughs> Northwest. That's no. about it. I think yeah, he was the only one. Uh, she was the only one. When one of those episodes where we're low on stuff to talk about, we'll look up who was born. What are you watching? <laughs> Nothing. Let's talk about who was born. Uh, we'll prophesy. <laughs> Future celebrities. Yes. All right. So, what have we been watching, Nick? What have you been watching? As you take a swig of water. I've been watching Mad Men. Mad Men. Uh, <laughs> season five. <clears throat> kind of catching up. Uh, last week I had said that I had started watching it and I was really enjoying jumping back into the world of uh, all those guys. And I went to, I sat down to watch one episode today and I think it quickly turned into four. And I, I meant to watch two and the second one ended in such a way that was crazy and I texted Tim about it and he was like, just wait till the next one. I was like, great, now i got to watch that one. <laughs> and then that ended and the next one was the finale and I was like, I'm going to save it for tonight and I was like, yeah, I might as well just watch it so I can talk about the whole thing with Tim and uh, also on the podcast. But the show, <clears throat> I mean, the, there are all the usual things that I really love about the show. The acting is amazing. The production design is amazing. Uh, the writing is great. The direction, everything about it is very good. But the, the thing that always continually impresses me about Mad Men is that it, it is not afraid of progress, which is kind of a central theme to the show, is characters that are afraid of progress or characters who aren't, and change, I guess maybe is the better word, not even, not even progress implies an optimism, but change. <clears throat> and this show just absolutely forges ahead, and there are so many characters that were beloved to fans and that were integral to the series in like the first one, two, three seasons that are nowhere to be found anymore in the show. And it's very interesting because these characters get. I think that's kind of a, kind of a uh, staple in a in a negative way of television, particularly American television, where we tend to create these characters and just hang on to them and force them into the show, even though it's no longer natural. Mm -hmm. And what's very cool about Mad Men is that you know characters will get fired, or they will die, or they will quit, or they will take another job, and that's it like they leave and they'll flit in once in a while maybe like two seasons later a character you didn't expect to see will pop in for one or two episodes and then leave again but it's very cool that the show is not afraid to you know let those characters come and go uh, and introduce new ones and see you know if they work or don't work it's it's very it's just very interesting that the show always does that so Tim had remarked the other day when he and I were talking about it that it's cool because the show now is so different from the show it was when it started which is very true, but I think one of the one of the primary ways that that is true is that just in the cast is just always evolving, 
and the characters are always doing new like every season like the the five or six main characters always have big major new things going on in their lives it's uh it's just pretty awesome for that that it just powers along <clears throat> and i just think uh season five ended brilliantly and it's just getting better and better and better and better in the it's just fascinating. It's it's an amazing show. You know, I I maintain what I had said last week, where I think that people are going to hold it up. You know, ten years from now, and be like, this was the television masterpiece of the you know the twenty first century. But um, anyway, I'm sure I could get a lot more into it, but I'm trying to trying to be veer away from spoilers too. Yeah, not, not even so much. Just that, just not ramble. Yeah. <laughs> so I just you know I don't want to repeat myself. Even though yeah. I could. One of these days, I'll watch Mad Men and we can. <laughs> It's absolutely it incredible. I, mean, I know that you'll be you'll be texting me the same way with Rubicon. Where you'll I'm just be... I'm really afraid. For some reason, I have this fear that I'm just going to find it utterly boring, and I hope that's not true. I have no like. I have no actual foundation for that fear. I think a lot of people feel that way based on the snippets they see because it just looks like people in suits sitting talking, around and drinking, drinking and talking. Yeah. So what? Does that, that not sound interesting to you guys? <laughs> That's what we do. But we sit around talking in suits. Yeah. We're all wearing suits right now. Yeah. Uh, I just have mine pressed. The, um, that's why the characters are so important. And the characters are so... If the characters were not well-written and expertly portrayed, then it would be a boring show. Mm -hmm. But they, everybody in it is just so stupidly good that uh, it, it totally rises, rises above... Like, I, I totally get what you mean. Like, if I was to show, like, a random scene from Mad Men where nothing dynamic happens to somebody, they'd probably be like... Mm -hmm. Well, the, it's become a joke. The AMC, like, previews for the next episode are so ridiculous because it's there's no context to what happens. It's just snippets of Don saying, like, step into my office, and then Peggy's, like, crying. And, like, and non-fans are like, what? Yeah. And fans are like, oh, shit! Like, they know. It's just, like, snippet after snippet, and it's, it's completely... It's, it's funny. Like, it's funny to watch. Like, it... If someone would just like turn it over, they're like, "What is this?" Like, but I agree, it's a it's a harder show to get into, but it's incredibly re rewarding. Well, it's essential that you start from the beginning. I yeah. don't think you could yeah. not because the character building a lot, most of it happens in the first, is particularly for Don in the first season or two. And I, I was remarking in the, in this season how it's kind of gotten away from a lot of the earlier character stuff, and now it's it's more so about the agency itself. Yeah, is kind of a character. But I think a big thing that someone like yourself, Alex, might really enjoy about it is just the way that it's directed, and a lot of the allegory in the in the writing and the direction is just yeah, like the final, not the final, but the the next to final shot scene of Don in season five where he's at the studio. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> like the way it ended, I was just like, this is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Writing where it just it blew my mind how good it was, and it was just something so simple. It's the little things on that show that are bigger than, like, any other show's mm -hmm. big things. That, it's that, amazing, that, yeah. yeah. Interesting. And it does, it does do little clever things, like, uh, that you won't expect sometimes, where it'll, it'll, it'll mess with chronology just the tiniest bit, which is not a thing the show normally does. I'm referring to a scene with Joan, and I'm sure you, you remember, yeah. where it flips something on its head, and you're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the writing is really a perfect marriage of the writing and the acting. It just makes it amazing. Alright. Anyway, now I've rambled. <laughs> Alex. Go, Joe. Yeah. Um, Alright, well, here's something I can guarantee none of you at home have talked about in, in many moons. I've been watching Cheers. Um, 
that's the bar show with Ted Danson. <laughs> um, and Rhea Perlman. When was the last time you have seen or thought about Rhea Perlman? It's actually titled um, Bar Show in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Bar Show! <laughs> um, but no, it's... Uh, I, I I watched it as a child on Nick at Night with my parents, and now I'm watching it as a man child with my mother on Netflix, and um, it's a, it's a it's a really good show. I mean, it's got uh, the the I think the humor holds up, and it's it's fun to watch because it's like you're watching just a bunch of just a bunch of friends just you know relaxing at a you know and and oftentimes having fun at each other's expense. Uh, or with their each with each other's expense, I guess I don't know. Um, it has a lot of the uh, a lot of iconic people uh, or performers of that era. Um, a lot of them went on to do something to do bigger things. Uh, for instance, uh, Kelsey Grammer, mm -hmm. uh, the character of Fraser Crane was uh, was founded uh, in Cheers, um, and he's hilarious in that show. Um, Shelly Long, Woody Harrelson, yeah, uh, Shelly Long, Super Babe, um, Kirstie Alley, well, that was the thing yeah. she did, yeah. Um, yeah. And then <laughs> so there were some Star Trek, besides yeah. being Lieutenant yeah. Samick in <laughs> Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Okay, there was that. All right, and then not being Samick in one of the later Star Trek <laughs> movies, and then being Samick again in one of the later. <laughs> Kelsey Grammer was also in the Next Generation. So, well, there you go. go. Look at that. We've tied it all yeah. back in anyway. to Star Trek. Star Cheers. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it's that old, it's that kind of old show that's, that can be hilarious and have heart at the exact same time. And I feel like most shows I watch now, like, or the recent ones, it's either, it's either they're going for one or the other. Like, one of my favorite modern shows is Arrested Development. And, you could probably count the number of times where you get actually touched by that show on one hand. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's just all out hilarious. Cheers is hilarious, and every episode has this touching moment with all the characters. Um, and it's, 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 just, it's just good TV. And the interesting thing is it's pretty, it, fashion aside, it's pretty timeless. Yeah, because yeah. it all kind of, it all takes place in the bar, and it's people talking about things. There's no like that's something people will always do and have always done is gotten together at a place of you know alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> alcohol dispensary and mm -hmm. uh, a watering yeah. hole. If yeah, yes. I I do have fond memories of like waiting at night watching Seinfeld, Cheers, Mash, and like some fourth show on Channel Two at night. And you know, like every yeah. night in the summer, and I'll be sitting there playing Game Boy or something. And that's just what's on TV. But what's cool about Cheers is, to me, is how it. Um, I mean, I've seen, I've watched the entire run of Frasier. I have not watched the entire run of Cheers. I watched a few after exhausting Frasier, but I, I love how that character was able to just totally lateral over to his own show, yeah. so seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And characters from Cheers would pop in once in a while. Oh yeah, and it was very cool to always hear like the audiences like. The reactions like, oh, to seeing this character, yeah. especially Lilith. Whenever Lilith would show up in Frasier, it was always absolutely Wait. hysterical. Frasier's wife. Okay. And it, All right. Was I she in Cheers? Yes. yes. Okay. She may have, I haven't gotten to that she point She may have yet. come later, yeah. All right, I've just been jumping around seasons A very rich uh, history of hatred between those two was built up in <laughs> Cheers, and then they're split up by the time Frasier starts. 
and these when, she, when she shows up in no! when she shows up in Frasier, it's hysterical because everyone's always yeah. everyone on screen, all the characters. I hadn't seen her in Cheers at all when I was watching Frasier, but instantly when she would enter the room and Frasier and everybody would go, you knew, <laughs> <laughs> you knew the whole there history. was a story and, there. Yes, yeah. yes. Are you watching that on Netflix? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, the main thing I remember about Cheers is I watched. I've watched it off and on, like, repeats, and I've watched a little on Netflix, but I remember watching, like, the series finale with my parents, Yeah. and the um, the pre-show to it, they do, like, above, like, an actual bar, and it's the most drug I've ever seen, like, a cast of TV shows, <laughs> uh, like, everybody, and I'm not talking, like, tipsy, like, everybody was hammered drunk, oh, God. and it was so cool. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I don't know if they kept it in the Netflix version for the finale. Oh, I, I, I think they might. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I have. I have. I've, yeah, stuck with seasons one through three. I think that's just because that's what my mom wants to watch. Um, <laughs> but so we haven't gotten to Woody Harrelson or, or Kirstie Alley yet. Yeah. But I actually do not know how Cheers ends. So that's uh, cool. do, do we spoil Cheers? They all. They does, all go to prison. Does the bar close or something? I know that's no. not true. Let's not talk about I it. I okay. Can't no. Uh, send us how Cheers ends in the feedback. At, uh, <laughs> uh, feedback. No. <laughs> No, no, let's don't. not do that. Okay, no, don't, don't cry don't, if you I'm sorry, I'm sorry, don't do that. Don't we do we that. could just look it up if we wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah, please uh, do not listen to anything I say on behalf of the podcast. That's not true. Um, on behalf of me, just it's all gospel. But All right, Tim. Yes. You texted me with your what you've been watching. Yes. I, I had control over what would be on the podcast. Well, I need to give a little background. Okay. Um, I've been watching a lot of like really good television. Lately, like, like not Cheers, basically. Thanks, no, Tim. Cheers is great. <laughs> no, Cheers is Cheers is still great. Cheers is like the template for like great still show. really good shows. Yeah. Um, no, but like I was watching Mad Men season six just ended. I watched that as it aired, and then Arrested Development, and I've been watching uh, Treme on HBO, which is really good. And but those are all even Arrested Development are quite dark. Especially seasons. I won't spoil anything about season six of Mad Men, but it's it takes place during Vietnam. Don dies. <laughs> Wait, which which year specifically is Cyborg is season six? Sixty eight. Is it? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> you finish Arrest Development? No, not yet. <laughs> I know it is going to get even worse when I tell you what I've been watching. He's on to bigger and better things. Nick. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like I was thinking about it, I'm like I gotta I gotta break this up because I like to watch something light after I've watched something like a Mad Men or a like I'll like I've watched I watched Gilmore Girls last time and then I realized I've watched so much like CW programming in my life like an unhealthy amount like <laughs> I, I still count Buffy and Angel as CW because they were on WB and UPN fair enough uh, Veronica Mars Gilmore Girls I watched quite a bit of Smallville um Supernatural Supernatural I like quite a bit Supernatural's um, great yes um Arrow I still, I need to, I'm catching up with Arrow this summer. I've already put that out there. And that's why I said, like, this is the summer of CW. So I gave, like, Alex, I texted Alex, like, what should I watch from the CW? Like, Nikita or Heart of Dixie? Like, give me some, give me some. And Alex came through for me. He's like, you can't go wrong with Scott Porter and Rachel, Rachel Bilson. And I'm like, you're right. It's true. You can't, Alex. <laughs> and then Tim Matheson shows up. And I'm like, oh. This is too much. <laughs> Heart of Dixie is not very... Heart of Dixie... If anybody's ever seen the movie Doc Hollywood with Michael J. Fox, yes. it's that. It's <gasps> some, a girl... Rachel Bilson, she's a big city girl. And she goes to... like She has to do a fellowship because the doctor, her, her boss, goes, 
if you want to be, if you want to work on, if you want to perform surgery on heart, you have to perform surgery on your own heart. <laughs> and, and Bill, and like, she's like, she breaks up with her boyfriend who, who's he's a, he's a he's a dick. Um, so she breaks up with her boyfriend. She's like, I need to change. I need to go somewhere. I need to get out of my head. And she remembers that an older man at her graduation invited her to come to Alabama, a small town in Alabama where he's got his own practice. She shows up there. The man is dead. So she has to share the practice with Tim Matheson, who is not crazy about the idea. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. But so she shows up, and wackiness ensues. Um, Scott Porter from Friday Night Lights, Speed Racer, um, that Drew Barrymore, Hugh Grant movie. He's in the first five minutes of I remember that. It, music and lyrics? Music and lyrics, thank you. Glad that I that one out. You get like five points for that. Right? That was worse yeah. than my school school one the other day. <laughs> so Scott Porter's there, and oh, the charm when Scott Porter and Rachel Bilson are on a screen, it's too much. So how much Scott Porter is there in the episodes you've watched so far? I've watched two episodes, which I think gives me a decent handle on the show so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Scott Porter and Rachel Bilson, like, you can tell they're made for each other. Like, this is going to happen. But there's this guy named Wade. He's oh. a bit of, I've told Alex he's a bit of a wild card. Wade? He's a, he's a bit of a bad boy. He's like, he's like the, he's the Alabama slammer, as they say. And it, like, Wade? Yeah. <laughs> and so Alabama. Rachel Bilson, this is Heart of Dixie spoilers, pilot spoilers. Um, Rachel Bilson drinks a bunch of wine one night. Like box wine, because she's like, because uh, apparently that's all you can find in Alabama. Wedding row. <laughs> <laughs> and she starts making out with Wade, Aww, and you're just like, Wade. no, Bills, Don't come throw on. Don't away like that, Bills. Bills, Bills, yeah. Bills. But um, <laughs> skills to pay the bills. <laughs> so, so, where was I? So basically, oh, and I wanted to do the CW song count because I always make fun of how mm-hmm, many songs. Mm-hmm. Are. Fourteen songs. <laughs> 14, they're like country pop songs, like Darius Rucker and like is, is it, wait, Sugarland. Is, is this yeah. in one episode? or The pilot has 14 oh. songs in it. This might be a CW record. I think it is. <laughs> like, Arrowhead at least like eight. Yeah, I think Arrowhead eight. This one this one goes all out. Wow. Like, I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch the rest of this. I know I'm going to. Like, I, like, I'm weak for it. It's a very charming show. It's not well written, but it's, it's not completely terrible. It's CW... CW to the max, I believe. So, have you watched Everwood? I have not watched Everwood. Should I watch Everwood? I don't know. Dawson's Creek was another one. It, it was just on seems WB. Up your alley. <laughs> Seventh Heaven. So I've seen some of Seventh Heaven. Okay. Yeah. One Tree Hill. One Tree Hill. Roswell. 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 We're going back. Jericho into the was CW. that a? No, Jericho oh, was a CBS. CBS. Yeah. I just really want to Photoshop Tim's face on all these CW <laughs> shows. But yes. I'll just put you in the background. We, like we, need, we need listeners who have Photoshop skills so that they can send these things to us. That's what needs. <laughs> we need to get to that point. I would that like is to, my goal for this podcast. If I could be Photoshopped as anyone, it would be um, Ian, Summerhal- Ian Summerhalder from Vampire Diaries. If you could do that, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Same body type and everything, I swear. <laughs> I was thinking just inserting you in the background of all of them. Like, you're this ancillary character. Who has t- you're, you're, the, you're the Nick Fury of the CW. You know? <laughs> just always there. The CW Avengers. Oh, man. Led by Tim Law. So there you go. All right. Yeah, I haven't really been watching it. <laughs> I was one click away last night from a Kyle XY rewatch yeah. in light of recent news. Uh, but you're I couldn't always do one it. click away. Yeah. I am. 
I couldn't do it because then I figured we'd actually have to talk about it, and I want one of you other guys to watch it too. So, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> it's ABC Family. It's one you, you step gotta, away. You, yeah, you gotta it's finish not, up the CW. It's a lateral step. It is. <laughs> no, no, Kyle XY is <laughs> a step above. It is okay. a step above. Um, not maybe not to Buffy and Angel, but yes. No, uh, I watched a little bit of Game of Thrones, like the end of season two or end of season one, beginning of season two, and. I enjoyed it even more because looking at the stuff that has happened in season three and kind of seeing how the pieces were put on the table was very interesting. It was very cool to watch, just to glean a little bit more of a sense of the foreshadowing that they actually worked on. Um, but yeah, other than that, I, I don't think I watched anything. Uh, don't you think we need to I watched have- a little bit of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ooh. Just in oh, John Hamm's in that new uh, Larry David movie coming yes, out on he HBO. Is. Yes, yep. he is. Oh, um, it's really funny. I watched a little bit of season one, not from the beginning, just kind of random episodes, and, and I enjoyed it very much. I will watch that show. That is the show that, like, I think there's they could probably base a mathematical formula from Kirby Enthusiasm, where like season one is X amount of quality, we'll say, and then season two is like precisely 1.5 times that, and then season three was 1.5 <laughs> times that. Like, it just gets better and better and better and better, and none of them are bad. Like, you'll watch season four, and you'll watch the finale, and you'll laugh so hard you'll be crying, and you'll be like, how can it get funnier? And then season five's funnier, and six is funnier, and seven's funnier, and it's just, it's it's astounding. Like Larry David's got some deal with the devil <laughs> to be the funniest man, the funniest, you know, unknown man in Hollywood, basically. Yeah. It's, it's unreasonable how funny that yeah, is. Yeah, it was, it was very good. I, I did enjoy what I watched of it, so I will... I will return. You should. Um, Alright. So we can we can move on from here. Our, our topic of discussion particularly starts with a hitfix.com article written by Drew McWeeny. Um, <laughs> he basically it's about Orson Scott Card and Ender's Game. And um pulling it up right now, so I'm trying to vamp for time and I can't type at the same time. So, basically, Orson Scott Card is a homophobe. He's a noted outspoken homophobe. And, uh, so Lionsgate sent out an official statement, and it said here, as proud longtime supporters of the LGBT community, champions of films ranging from Gods and, Mo- Gods and Monsters to The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and a company that is proud to have recognized same-sex unions and domestic partnerships within its employee benefits policies for many years, we obviously do not agree with the personal views of Orson Scott Card and those of the National Organization for Marriage. However, they are completely irrelevant to a discussion of Ender's Game. The simple fact is that neither the underlying book nor the film itself reflect these views in any way, shape, or form. On the contrary, the film not only transports viewers to an entertaining and action-filled world, but it does so with positive and inspiring characters who ultimately deliver an ennobling and life-affirming message. Lionsgate will continue its long-standing commitment to to the LGBT community by exploring new ways we can support LGBT causes and, as an ongoing part of this process, will host a benefit premiere for Ender's Game. So basically, Drew McWeenie goes on to say, That's cool and all, but if this movie does well, the book sales will rise, and Orson Scott Card will see some sort of benefit out of the 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 
uh, rise in popularity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the rise in popularity of the the book and the movie. Jim McQueenie's basically just like he supports things that I don't support, and I don't want to give him more money myself that would allow him to support these things further. That's that's basically what sums up the article. I'll put it in in the show notes. You can take a take a look at it. In fact, pause and take a look at it, and then come back and listen to this. But basically, what I wanted to talk about, I wanted to break it open even further. And talk about people like Mel Gibson, whose anti-Semitic views have leaked into the ether for some people, and Tom Cruise's Scientology has kind of done the same thing, and uh, we could even abstract it out to, like, music, and this is a bit of a different case, but Chris Brown, he's a fan of beating women, so why are we supporting him at all? And even further, we can go into the game industry, look at somebody like Phil Fish, who created the game called Fez, and puts his foot in his mouth every other day. So... <laughs> More frequently than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, like every time he tweets. But <laughs> So basically, you have these people who are in the public, public personas, public personalities, who have their own personal beliefs, and I want to talk about how it kind of affects your decisions on whether or not to see their movies, if you feel it should affect your decision, if you don't feel it should, and why it's irrelevant, and that kind of thing. So, uh, I don't know who wants to talk first. I can throw it to Nick. I'll speak for this family. <laughs> <laughs> I made that jump last week. It's alright. <laughs> no, but this is... Oh, you and I have, have talked about this numerous times, actually. Yeah. I think it's one of my favorite things to, to talk about with you, because it's always pretty funny. And we never... Neither of us are particularly passionate about it either <laughs> either way so it uh it's always an interesting discussion but i i think it's fascinating and it it it, it has it ties in so heavily to the whole idea of celebrity because people for some bizarre reason love knowing what celebrities are doing yeah and what they're thinking and what they're wearing and who they're dating and where they're eating and what they're eating and where they're working out and just every facet of their lives and it, to me that's like the worst idea ever because like I have to really 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 love an actor or musician or something like that to, to bother seeking out their views and thoughts on other things mm-hmm. and usually it, actors don't even enter into it I'm just like I want to see your movies because you're an actor you're not creative you're just you're an actor no, no offense to, to the acting community but like if it's, a, if it's an author or like a musician they're usually more involved in the creative process so I'm more intrigued by what they're thinking but um, I think it's it's a problem it's it's kind of a disease that we have because people love to they love to build up and support and put on a pedestal celebrities and then the very second they find a reason to they love nothing more than just to smash them down and watch them absolutely destroy themselves if that's what happens like people love to pimp up I can't even think of a... I'm sure Tim could think of a better example. I'm not sure why I'm sure that, but... <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I mean, there was a certain glee taken by the public of just drilling Tom Cruise into the ground after he jumped on a couch because he was excited that he was having sex with Katie Holmes. <laughs> and after, <laughs> like, after a, you know, a two-decade-long yeah. love affair with Tom Cruise. Yes. That's a perfect example. See, yeah. I knew I could come. <laughs> All right. Um, the, for me personally, I, it's, I've always been definitely an, not even an apologist just an indifferent apathetic fan of of both Tom Cruise and Mel Gibson like I but it's because I don't I don't read the news that's involved with them and I think there's sort of an ignorance is bliss on this one with me so I don't really read it I'm like oh somebody was an asshole wow like 
everyone's an asshole. It's going to happen. Like, and these people are they're bizarre people. They don't live normal lives, and they're apt to exhibit some bizarre behaviors when they're under the microscope all day. I think it probably just makes you a little nuts. You know, that said, I, I won't ever condone... Like, what I always say, and what I said to my mom when I when she was like, you're seeing that Mel Gibson movie or whatever, he's... <laughs> what? And I'm like, you know, I love his movies. I think he's an awesome actor. I think he's an entertaining guy. I would never hang out with him in real life. I'd never buy him a beer. Like, I don't want to support... I don't want to support them, I guess, but at the same time, like, they're movie stars. They're around to make movies and be entertaining. And as long as they're fulfilling their purpose in the universe, you know, who's to say, you know, who am I to be like, I'm not giving you my $7. 7 to $10. You know? Which is why when I was reading... Drew's article, I was like, it's cool that he played it so... He played it very smart, and he was like, I'm not telling anybody what to think, I'm not telling you not to see the movie, I'm just telling you why I will no longer be talking about the movie. This is my personal belief, and I'm not trying to force it on anybody, I'm just explaining why. And I was like, alright, that was... A very... He didn't get all hot and bothered about it, and say, like, oh, you know, Scott Card is a, the worst person ever, etc. Which is why it was a pretty good, pretty good uh, read. But with Orson Scott Card, it's disappointing because the book is really good. Yeah. And Lionsgate's statement is very true. Like, there's nothing but positive reinforcement throughout the book, and it's a very positive book in the, and with a lot of negative things happening around this character. And so to, to really learn what a rabid, like, it's, like, beyond homophobe. <laughs> it's, he, like, yeah. straight-up hates gay people. Yeah. And, like, the notion of gayness... And that's, like, pretty disappointing. Because after reading it, I was kind of like... I was already on the fence about the movie, and then reading just kind of all the links and all the different stuff, it's just... I was kind of like, man, I almost don't even want to bother with it now, just because it's, it's aggravating just to think about it. I felt, I don't know, bizarre. All right. So I think if, if I... In real life, I guess the TLDR version is... I usually just try to stay out of it. That way, if I was looking forward to this movie, I won't be upset by it. And, like... Me not seeing the movie isn't going to make an iota of difference in the world. So whether or not I personally... The only, the only thing I'll be doing if I choose not to see the movie is making myself feel better. And I would, frankly, I would rather probably have not even known and just seen the movie and enjoyed it and gone home and then moved on with my life. Which is my, generally my, my policy with these sort of sticky situations with celebrities. But, you know, then inevitably you read something like that and you're kind of like, oh, and then the idea is soured on you. Okay. All right. I, uh, well... I guess the the thing for me is uh, this is just it, the idea of, of boycotting a film because of the the writer's personal views. It particularly when it has nothing to the film has nothing to do with it. He's technically not even the writer of the film. He yeah, just, he didn't write the film. He wrote the book. That the film is, but but yeah, it's what what is what's the point of 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 movies of like film of of entertainment like this? It's well, for me, anyway, it's it's kind of escapism. Um, it's I don't go to a movie uh, to gain su to to support causes or to support people. I wanna I wanna get away from the daily grind of life. I wanna be entertained. I wanna see a movie that'll either you know expand my horizons or or make me laugh or or make me look. Oh my god, that giant robot just punched that giant monster in the face. That was awesome. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert for Pacific Rim. Uh, it's <clears throat> it seems like you're just people who get this into the the stuff that has nothing nothing to do with movies. 
Orson Scott Card's views on gay people have nothing to do with the movie or the book. Literally nothing. Um, so if you're just gonna, I mean, you, I guess if you want to feel good about yourself, like you're not sending money to somebody whose views you disagree with, then, you know, good on you. But it's not, it's not making a difference. It's not making a logical difference. It's making a, a you're making a feel-good difference. Um, it's just, you're, you're just kind of corrupting the purpose of, of what entertainment is, I think. Um, when you get into these little things like, okay, Mel Gibson gets drunk and he says crap about Jews. I'm not going to watch <laughs> Lethal Weapon 4, which has nothing to do with, with Jews. Uh, does it? I don't remember. <laughs> did, it was just Jet no, Li, it right? It no, yeah, it, it had did. everything to do with Jet Li yes. being awesome and Danny Glover not being able to beat up Jet Li. Um, <laughs> and being too old for this. Be, being too old for this. <laughs> for the They're both too old for this. Movie. Yeah. Which is, a, yeah. yeah. But it's, a, it's like some people just get so into these things that are they're there for you to enjoy them. Um, Ender's Game is there for you to enjoy it. Uh, to just not to maybe not think about all the people whose views bother you and just go and have a good time at the movies. I, it just seems when you put that much weight into it, it you're, you're, ruin, you're ruining the art for yourself, I think. That's it's obviously point. a little bit subjective, too. Yeah. Odds are good if you're gay, you're probably going to be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, me? Yeah. Okay. Orson Scott Card, I read Ender's Game probably about three or four years ago, and I actually knew of his beliefs as I read it, so I was kind of looking out for to see if any of that seeped into the book itself, and I remember thinking, you know what, it doesn't. So there is, but there is also, I think there's also a line, too, that is crossed sometimes, I guess. When someone brings their own, say, politics, and actors, I, have, I don't care. Actors, I don't really care. Like Nick said, they're not creative types anyway. They're not ownership of the film most of the time. Um, after Earth, <laughs> but you no, know, After Earth is um, a good example. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to that. I really want to talk about this because I'm gonna bash into darkness in a little bit. So, <laughs> in a little bit, <laughs> so, it's coming. Get ready. But actors, no, actors. On rare occasions, it does seep in. Battlefield Earth is another one, but they're not presenting I don't think they're presenting really dangerous views in those if that makes sense they're presenting their own beliefs and it wasn't re it's not really jammed down your throat it's contained in a narrative that still kind of makes sense whether it's good or bad because they're both pretty bad okay. but um where was I going yeah it, it all kind of depends on where you personally draw the line I think because like I said I'm tr gonna try not to get too much into my own politics but there are certain movies whose politics you can tell they're on the screen and I disagree with them. Um, Dark Knight's my favorite, one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. But there are certain aspects of the politics of Dark Knight that kind of rub my beliefs the wrong way, but it's presented in a way that makes sense and is not rammed down your throat, I think. And so if in Ender's Game... If Ender started, well, what, what specifically are you speaking? Are you speaking of like the invasion of privacy aspect? Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing that I'm thinking of. But I, I, just because I don't agree with something doesn't mean I think like 
I, I hate the movie now. Yeah. And so it's, it's done if it's done rather artfully, like yes. Dark Knight. Yeah. Versus like killing them softly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where, where a no, attendant comes in and clubs it, you in the side of the head. And there is there is a bit of hypocrisy to me too because yeah, I can enjoy something a little more when I tend to agree with it. But like certain things, you know what you're getting into when you go see a uh, Oliver Stone or a Spike Lee movie. Like you know what you're getting into. Like yeah. they're going to throw their beliefs on the screen. But a lot of times, what they do is inherently political anyway. Something like Ender's Game. If Ender started talking about how gay marriage is ripping apart the fabric of the world, like I'm gonna just sit here and go, "This is terrible. This is awful." But from what I remember, it doesn't. It, none of his beliefs seep into that novel. Right. So I don't think. I wouldn't personally. I don't have a problem. It's his right to believe what he wants to believe, but it's also someone's right to say, you know what, I'm not going to give him money. It's a bit of grandstanding, if you want me to be honest, by Drew McQueenie. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit much. Drew. Well, I mean, but and the Lionsgate thing is very much a um, good PR move too. So I mean, it's a nice thing. But what were you going to say, sir? Let me kind of take this in somewhat of a different direction. These okay. aren't apples, this isn't an apples to apples comparison, but let's talk about Xbox One Always Online DRM. Okay. Very mm-hmm. clearly, people, people voted it. with their money. The Amazon pre-orders showed. Amazon's little, <laughs> Amazon put up a poll that was like, which one do you want? And it was like, 6,000 people want the PS4, and 600 people want the <laughs> Xbox One, and Amazon was like, oh no, we need to take this down immediately. And eventually, Microsoft was like... You can do that on Amazon? What do you mean? Vote on shit? That was just... That was a poll that they put up for E3. Okay. But... You have to waste a lot of time on Amazon. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, people voted with their dollar. Yeah. And it caused them to change their mind. I'm not saying we need to vote with our dollars so Orson Scott Card is no longer a bigot. But I think it's important to note... That, as Drew McWheeney outlines, he he funnels his money into these these foundations that absolutely are just like, you know, yeah. this well, is my own personal politics, but I'm sorry, gay people getting married doesn't make the fact that you cheat on your wife or something else even more of a bad thing. Like your your marriage is bad because your marriage is bad. It's not because gay people can get married. It's I mean. It's obviously it's it's every man's own right to do with his money as he wishes. Absolutely. Um, I just I, I it's it's that also just because it's your right to do that to not say you're supporting Orson Scott Card by seeing a movie based on his book doesn't mean it's it's effective or wise or, or anything. It's just, you know Well and what's, I'm it, not it's yeah. I'm talking more about the principle of the man. I'm, in all reality, yeah. Ender's Game is going to come out. People know absolutely that ignorance is bliss. They're going to yeah. go see the movie anyway. It's going to do well. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't. I didn't know anything about Orson Scott Card's views before this. I honestly didn't know if he was alive or not. There you um, go. Because he might be old. Because that's an he older book. And some people know. would claim. And old people tend to die. Uh, which is your science fact for the day. <laughs> the, uh, and some people would claim that's a problem, too, with the world. They would say, why aren't people more aware of these, what they would deem real issues? And it's, it's, it all swings back around to being you know, subjective, like what's important to you, what news is important to you. I, I, because I've heard, some I, people might say, like, 
okay, so say that, you know, you give your $10 to Ender's Game, which percent goes to the studio, which percent goes to everybody else involved, which, like, fraction of a penny goes to Orson's Got a Card. And Drew said, you know, he's going to get a little bit of money, and he's probably going to get a boost in sales from his book, which translates to more dollars, more exposure for him, which means more money to further his agenda. And, like, it, it to me, it's like recycling. Like, if you think that you taking your yogurt container and putting it in a specially colored bin so that it can get thrown in with all the same shit anyway makes you feel better, do it. Like, <laughs> that makes you feel great. If that makes you feel good, that's awesome. But do not stick your face in mine and say, you should recycle, you're killing the planet by not throwing, putting your yogurt container yeah. and, in that And bin. Let's, be, let's be fair. No. Drew McWeeny did a really good job of not being like, Absolutely. do not go see this movie. He was basically just like, this is why I am not talking about. That's what, and that's what I, what I admired yeah. about the read. And, but that's, that's how I feel, because a lot of people come, to, come at me with a recycling thing. And I'm like, you know what? Let me throw my water bottle away. Like, well, and there's even more stuff in recycling, like melting down that plastic anyways. It's it, more energy than just making... <laughs> well, and, 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 and to, get to further the analogy, like if you're, <laughs> if you're creating more, you know, wasting more resources and energy just to try to turn that bottle into another bottle, you know, by you not giving your money or whatever to Ender's Game and not seeing it, A, you might deprive yourself of a good movie. B, you're not supporting the 2,000 other people that worked on that movie besides Orson Scott Card. And it, I don't know. It's just it's it's a weird issue. I it's forgot, not even really an issue to me. I forgot to talk about David O. Russell. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's a, and yeah, but I mean, like I, I was trying. To, there's a difference between David O. Russell being a dick <laughs> and someone someone supporting support like this is more of a human rights issue than a true. like Chris Brown beating women is not Chris Brown being a dick. It's him being just an awful, terrible person. Like, there's a there's a line you cross, is what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah. Like, David That's O. Russell... True. You put, it very, you put in, it very well by saying dangerous ideas. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if John Travolta believes in, like, Scientology or whatever, is he, is he hurting anybody? No, he's just being a weirdo. Yeah. It's just a weird <laughs> idea that makes me uncomfortable. But he's not... It's not a human rights issue, necessarily. And yeah. He's not going out and murdering I, people. I... Uh, I mean, well, I don't want to. I'm not going to get into politics, but I don't. I don't think. I mean, Orson Scott Card doesn't go around beating up gay people, does he? I mean, he's just he he I he mean, has he has a notion. I mean, I he has a what is considered an antiquated notion uh, about this issue. So I mean, let him think what he wants to think. I mean, it's his right to send his money where he wants to. So, and if like just as it is your your right to not send your money to him, but I just I I think. Your people are putting too much, too much of their their energy and their just emotional reservoir into shit that doesn't matter. Uh, it I, this is a movie. All you should think about when you're thinking about Ender's Game is is does this look like a movie I want to see? Not is somebody who's secondarily involved with this particular movie. Do I agree with him? I, it, well, I mean, we could break into like blood diamonds or something and be like, "Yes, this is a diamond." Oh my god, I, I love blood. I love blood diamonds. Some kids <laughs> died for it. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't agree with that. I think if if you want to think that the same way that that Orson is free to think what he thinks, you know, the average person is free to do whatever they want. If they, if, oh yeah, if yeah. This, but, if this issue bothers them to the degree yeah. they don't want to see the movie, that's fine. And like I said, if if but I was chill if out. I was a gay <laughs> if I was a gay person or if like. 
you know, my brother or a close relative was yeah. gay and had been persecuted by people in a particularly, you know, violent or just really, I don't know, just a really, a really disturbing way, I would probably be a little more affected by the issue. And I totally understand, like, if that was, if that, that's why I'm not really, the issue isn't particularly relevant to me, so I don't mm-hmm. care. But I can totally see where some people would be disturbed and be like, I'm not going to see that movie. That's fine. Yeah. You, uh, you know, if you're just looking for a cause to champion and you're just trying to stir the pot, then that's stupid. Just don't see the movie. Mm-hmm. Just shut up. Go back to work. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, I agree. All right. But that's that's part of the part of the part of the disease as well. With like the, the tying kind of back into the whole celebrity thing is that people are frequently looking for attention or looking for ways to you know like a Westboro that type of thing. Yeah. They're probably all hella seen in this game, by the way. They bought out a theater. But I. Well, what's their what's their names? The. I don't Phelps? know. Yeah, the yeah, Phelps. Yeah, all the Phelps. The, the yeah. Phelps family Fred are Phelps. like yeah. lead executive producers or something. <laughs> that would probably. But that, and that's the thing you give even even with this article when you start to. You start to give them more attention when you. Complain about them so no, much, and, and that's no, kind of yeah. No, uh, all all press is no press is bad press. Right. Yeah. And and how many people now are going to think of Ender's Game as that anti-gay movie uh, when they hear this news? I mean, it, I mean, I don't think anybody's gonna. I, I think if all if there are, there are enough low information moviegoers out there where it's like all I've all I've heard about Ender's Game is that. Uh, the guy who wrote it hates gay people. You know what? Oh, I'm not going to see it. Blah, blah, blah. I don't think. I don't think. I, I don't think that's the piece of information that the low information it, <laughs> I mean, viewers are going to get. But I, yeah, mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you never know. But I mean, it's true. You never know where they get the news. It's true. But it's like that. I mean, I it's personally such a such a self defeating exercise. If you're not going to see, um, I mean, let's move away from Ender's Game. Let's not see. Um, what if you didn't want to see Oblivion because Tom Cruise jumped on a couch? Uh, I'm sure there are lots of people that did. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, uh, why? Call it affected War of the Worlds I, box office pretty. Yeah. Because it came out around that time. Something I think it. Like that, yeah. yeah. I think it bit into that a little bit. I, mean, I think it's been into some of his movies quite a bit. So. Well, like what Gojo said about movies being the purpose of movies to him being escapism. I think that the the reason we get wrapped up in these issues is also escapism. Like we would rather. Rather Nitpick talk about this than the bullshit surrounding Orson Scott Card than talk about like laws and, uh, yeah and yeah. like war and yeah. like things that actually matter <laughs> yeah than the Is actual it, gay rights because I guarantee you now we don't have a gay rights podcast I think we're talking about. <laughs> yeah I think a lot of the a lot of the hubbub around the like ninety one percent of the hubbub surrounding Zimmerman I just wanted to exercise from my life but then like the guy from Glee died and that just <laughs> like all news involving the kid who was killed. Pushed aside by kid who we don't care anymore. Kid who died in Next hotel. Big thing, yeah. yeah, exactly. Come on, I, but it's it's just interesting that the, that kind of celebrity and movie and entertainment news is always going to be king. Yeah, and it's probably only going to get worse, frankly. I mean, I I'll, I'll say I personally have never picked up a copy of Ender's Game because I don't want that money to go to Orson Scott Card. Go to the library. <laughs> I'll go to the library. I'll pirate a copy of it. I'll do something like that. But to tell you the truth, I've never just been like, I really want to read Ender's Game, even though I know it's supposed to be a very good book. I'll probably go see the movie at this point, unless there's something else better coming out that week. Then I'm sure we will all just be like, let's go see that instead. But 
Well, it's interesting too because the the you you have to wonder eventually where the where the responsibility lies. Like, if a story comes out and by like a noted bigot and people read it and they give this guy tons of money inadvertently to use for whatever nefarious purpose he has. Is it his fault that he made this story and it got published, or does it trace back to the publisher or the people that are buying it? Or, like, if you had picked up a copy of Ender's Game and read it years ago, if you had bought, like, one and loved it and it was your favorite book, and, you know, I never mind, I don't even know where I'm going with this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no, I see I, what you're saying. I, I, don't, I don't think it's really so much about fault because it's all about personal, like, preferences. However, on the other hand, if I turn around and it's like, the National Organization for Marriage has effectively lobbied to ban gay marriage here, and my dollars went to Orson Scott Card and somewhat made that possible, I would be like, wow, I should really not... Like, it, personally, I would be like, that is not something that I wanted to help accomplish, it, that, that's... but it's... It's I'm such a See, small cog in that machine that sometimes... It's, it's like, are you even in the machine? It's like, I, there's... I mean, this is yeah. We're kind of yeah. you know on on the uh, on the train to Digressionville here, but uh, we are. It's we are. The great I just yeah. <laughs> I I I think when when yeah, just well, just like, enjoy movies. And like I, I said know. about the you know your your dollars going to Ender's Game are supporting. You know, you take one in a hundred. Orson is one, and you have ninety nine other good, decent human beings or whatever. Yeah. What if the rest of the cast is like. Oh well, my God! We donate to I LGBT mean, every day. It's it's not I so mean, much like I understand what you're saying. You want to support the other people who are in this, who 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 did this thing. Half the more than half of those people are not going to get anything on the back end. Okay, well, I mean, what about Lionsgate? They Most said all the, the all I the bet crap you Ace they do. Ace Butterfield probably doesn't have anything <laughs> off of the box office because he's like twelve or whatever. No, so, but you can't deny that the performance of the movie will dictate how certain people's careers are. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true because look at movies that don't do smash hits at the box office but get other people jobs like what led to Christian Bale getting Batman Begins what led like the, the, the movies that it's still a great movie and somebody out there has watched it and knows that this person would be great for that thing like though I mean sure we know that but that's not how the machine works Hollywood won't cast people. Like if there's someone who's bo considered box office poison, they don't they don't get work. Wait, what True. are we talking about right but now? But I don't think Ace of Butterfield will be considered box office poison <laughs> because Ender's Game doesn't do well. We're getting away from my point. We're, which we're, is, which we're is getting that, away from the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying that it's it's infinitely more complex than just one guy. No, it absolutely is. There's totally for, for the one guy who's gonna get money or fame or attention from this, there are a lot of other people who will as well. And I think that it's... On the other hand, mm -hmm. on the flip side, the one guy who's not going to give money for this... He feels better about himself, others, I guess. Millions I of others are still going to give their money for it as well. Yeah. So... I, I just think, I think the whole issue is just... It's illogical, and it's based entirely on feeling, and Ender's Game, if it's, if it's number one at the box office, I don't think... Three months from now, we're gonna see gay people forced into alleys, and and I, it's it's no 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 it's, I understand just yeah it's it's all people you know just 
trying to trying to feel their way into making themselves better about making themselves feel better about themselves by doing something or not doing something that just doesn't matter. And to me, that's illogical and pointless. But if you want to do that, go ahead. This is Gojo speaking as yeah. the in-house Vulcan for the <laughs> yeah, right. podcast. Human beings are yes. illogical. Yes. 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 All right, we're way off track, super over time. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to move right into our full review of Guillermo del Toro's specific rim. Alright, we are back. It is time for a full review of Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim. Starring Charlie Hunnam, Idris Elba, Rico Kikuichi, uh, Charlie Day, Bert Gorman, Max Martini, Clinton Collins Jr., Ron Perlman, and many others. Max Um, Martini. Can we just reflect for a half second on how awesome that name is? (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Uh, Full synopsis, or synopsis from IMDb. As the war between humankind and monster sea creatures wages on, a former pilot and a trainee are paired up to drive a seemingly obsolete special weapon in a desperate effort effort to save the world from the apocalypse. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. That was the movie I saw. Yeah. So, um, I think most of us here are fans of Guillermo in some I'm, way, shape, or form. I'm probably the least well-versed in uh, the arts of Guillermo. I've seen the Hellboys um, yeah. once. Me too. Apiece. Those are the only ones that I've seen. Okay. So I think we're wow. probably... We're tied for our we're tied for lack Guillermo. of Guillermo knowledge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Or is that sum up the body of Guillermo work? No, there's, no. there's a lot of other stuff that's... Can yeah. you tell I like saying Guillermo? <laughs> Guillermo. 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 <laughs> Alright, so Pacific Rim. Science fiction. Kind of Godzilla-inspired. Very Godzilla-inspired, really. Um, yes. Okay, okay, now, I mentioned before we started recording that uh, the previous issue we talked about that we're not going to talk about anymore actually springboards oddly into this film for me because this is what I think film should be. Uh, it is just a blast, and you go there, and there's no hidden message, or, uh, you know, you just go to the theater and have a good time. And that is what I did with Pacific Rim. Do we all agree? Did we have a great time? I had a good time. Not great time? I didn't have a great time. Oh, the guy who wanted to give After Earth a... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to... Come on now. Come on now. I I had one specific problem. Pacific? Pacific, Yeah, yes. So, do do we want to go around? What do we want to do here? I think Tim and I may be on the same wavelength, but I don't know. I I haven't talked with him about it. You may have neural handshake. Yes. We may may be drifting on this one. Um... Let's let's go around, Nick. Start with your your thoughts on the film. How you felt? Uh, I felt great. <laughs> I was rapidly looking forward to this movie for about the last week or two, as it was nearing. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was just very, very well done in every pretty much every regard. Like like Gojo just said, I was just sitting in the theater. I had a big I had a I like I noticed at one point I was like I'm smiling like actively <laughs> and I, I had wished that there were more people in our in our screening because I, yeah. I wanted to like you know clap or like exclaim at some points but it was just me and Alex that were doing it <laughs> start chanting USA and 
No. <laughs> just you know, start chanting, chanting world. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just think it was, uh, it was just an awesome, very fun movie, and I think Guillermo just has such a, a talent for making movies. Like, the guy just makes movies and does it very well. And he's... I love the lore building in it. I guess I guess what I like about the, the movie so much, you know, the production design, everything is great, the direction is awesome, the actors are great, the soundtrack is cool, the effects are brilliant, the level of detail is staggering. But the thing that's cool about Guillermo and his movies is that he respects people who go to his movies that have brains. And he doesn't... There, there, is a, there is a fair amount of exposition at the beginning, but it's not done in a way that treats you like you're a dummy. It's done very organically, and it and it shows as well as tells. It's not just, it's not just all Resident dialogue Evil, heavy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not just Alice's face being like, "I'm Alice. This is what happened last week on Resident <laughs> Evil." The Nanobite Wars. <laughs> yeah, it, it showed it showed you like through newsreels and very cool, legitimate ways, like what what happened. But he also just he writes his movies in such a way that. You know, it's kind of almost an older style of movie making. It doesn't really exist anymore, where things aren't spelled out. We don't need to see the... This isn't an origin story. This story takes place in the meat of the conflict. And he writes his characters in ways that lets you learn about them through their actions and through their deeds. And he casts people that can embody those roles appropriately and and flesh them out naturally and, and effectively. And that's what's really cool about the movie to me is there, there's really no superstar in this movie. There, there are no names really. There's, there's a few faces like Idris Elba's, and there's a few mugs like Ron Perlman's. But <laughs> he he casts capable actors that are good for the roles, and that's kind of a thing he's always done. There are no huge bankable stars in Hellboy or Blade Two, really. I mean, there's Wesley, but uh, he came with the, with the franchise. But it, it's just very. I respect the guy so much for that for being able to like. I'm writing this movie. It's a movie. And it's got characters that will tell you who they are through what they're doing, and you'll witness, and you'll see what they're doing, and learn about them, and, and follow their journey, and then that'll be the end of the movie, and there's not going to be another one. And, and this is movies. And this is movies, exactly. It's just a very simple good time at the movies. It's not striving to be too much more than that. And there's there's obviously a little bit of subtext and some stuff going on in the, in the movie, a couple little tiny things, but like, like Gojo said, there's nothing over, it's just a, it's an awesome movie. And it definitely comes from a guy who watches shitloads of movies and yeah. loves to make movies and is very, very, very good at it. All right, um, we already I, got a preview of Gojo's Gojo's feeling. Just but. the the yeah, the, I'm just be very brief here. I think I, I I mentioned this movie to a few people, um, and I, I I remember getting um, quite a few just what you Pacific Rim. Oh, I'm so much better than the film, uh, and uh, I, I I get the feeling it may not do as well as as it should because people think they're above it, uh, but they're not above grown-ups too. Uh, I think this is definitely a film where you're gonna get you're gonna get as much as you want to get out of it. Um, if you go in just wanting to have you know to have a good time at the movies, you're gonna get that. Uh, but if you think it's just gonna be lame monster movie, then that's probably what it's gonna be to you. I think. I'm done. Okay, Tim. Let's see. Okay, um, I want to start off by saying some touching. Screw the box office. It's stupid. <laughs> like who cares? Honestly. Well, it what? made it made ninety million worldwide this weekend. I just so, mean in general. Okay. I mean the movie exists. Go see it. That's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah. Um. Because I know that's been a, that's been an issue with the film for a couple weeks now, with the poor tracking and everything. Yeah. It's a very very fun film. Um. Where was I going? 
<laughs> I want to start off with the positive things. Um, go see this in the biggest, loudest theater you can. <laughs> because it is amazing. Like, the sound, everything is just incredible. The effects, it's just so much fun to start to finish. It's a movie for... It's a movie for kids and like kids inside. Oh, that was that was lame. That was almost as lame as the Heart of Dixie thing <laughs> earlier. But like, it's a movie for ten-year-olds basically, and it's Guillermo del Toro smashing toys together. It's amazing <laughs> when when that's happening. Um, this is Guillermo del Toro out Michael Bay, Michael Bay in my opinion. Okay, okay, I'll go. I'll go a little with that. It's missing a little. You can't out Michael Bay, Michael. Bay. <laughs> yeah, you want to test that? You want to? He's the best at being Bay. <laughs> Um, Please write feedback in the feedback <laughs> The world building aspect of it is just the coolest. I mean, that's always one of the things in Del Toro movies that I just flat out love. Yeah. The um, there's a scene in Hellboy. I can't remember the name. It's Hellboy, Hellboy Two, where he's walking through. I think like a market. It's the kind market, of like the yeah. yeah. The Trolls market. Oh, it's so good. And like there were scenes. We get the same set in this movie basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are there are parts <laughs> of this it's movie. It's actually Guillermo's backyard. <laughs> Oh my god, show me that much to do about nothing. <laughs> and there are parts of the, this movie that are just so much like that. It's just so much fun. And it's like a big... It's it's played out like an anime movie. It's like a live-action anime at times, too. I mean, I know it's a kaiju movie. And and that's why I, I don't want to sound negative towards it. I did have some problems with it. I almost feel bad having problems with it. Um, you never feel bad, too. <laughs> which we'll get into. I don't feel bad about this. Charlie Hunnam, the lead actor, this is a vile performance. He is terrible in this film. Like, it's just, he takes me out of everything. And it's so upsetting because the lead actors in Del Toro movies are always so good and, like, so charismatic. And this, he just, he drags down the film for me. You know what I think could have done it better? Who? Garrett Hedlund. <laughs> Scott, That's who I want to see. Scott Porter. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> No, I don't. But everybody else was good. But he just, I could, every line he delivered just went, ah, I, why is he saying it like that? It's terrible. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Alex. All right. Um, my, I sat down in this movie, haven't seen a single trailer, haven't seen a, like more than one or two frames. Uh, the opening, I had the biggest smile on my face. Like, I hadn't experienced since like Transformers 1 when fucking Optimus shows up. Pardon my F-bomb. Oh, I think that's Alex the only, with the F-bomb. I think that's the only F-bomb I've ever dropped in the show. You beat me to it this week. When Optimus shows up, I had the biggest grin on my face, and that became one of like the coolest science fiction movies for me to watch at the time. And um, just from up here, like, awe-inspiring, like, I was a kid and I loved Transformers, blah, 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 blah. I felt that exact same thing here. As soon as the characters started talking to each other, I was like, oh. <laughs> and everything else is just so good. It's funny because everything that Nick mentioned, I was waiting for him to get to the writing, and I was like, oh, he didn't say it. <laughs> and I, I, as, as you guys were talking, I was like, maybe it's not the writing. Maybe it's Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> but I think it's a good mix of both. I really, really think that's the weak link in this movie. Everything else is fantastic. Love the soundtrack. The effects are amazing. The design of everything is very, very cool. It's this weird mix of like clean electronics and yet also like really dirty, like run down. Like this is the last base that we have. And 
I enjoy that very much. Guillermo's production design is always just it's yeah. it's absolutely good. fantastic, and his writing is I love the writing of the Hellboy movies. What happened? This was co-written by the guy that wrote Wrath of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. <laughs> so I, that might have something to do with it. But but I and I see what you're saying. But then Idris Elba shows up, and he delivers these lines perfectly. Like he. I mean, that's true. So does Charlie Day. I think. So does Charlie Day and Perlman, of course. So. And Max Martini. Ma- oh. Yeah. So maybe maybe. I think your issue lies with Charlie. Maybe <laughs> maybe it lies with Charlie. Although I didn't think of that way walking out of, like walking yeah. out of this. Although to well, tell you the truth, I see a lot of Gojo. Like throughout the movie, I saw a lot of Gojo and Charlie Hunnam's face. He's got kind like, of. If, that if Gojo had like a five head Ricker, and like a full yeah. head of hair, then Which it would I did be, at one point. Well, it, you, it was there. You'd be Charlie Charlie Hunnam, but you need a bigger forehead and more wrinkles on it too. But he, he's um, got a wide face. I thought. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I have he a has, wide face. He's, he's got like those the four three face, see. whereas you have like the I don't know. Um, no, that like seriously, the only issue that I had with this movie was writing slash performance. That's interesting. I liked I liked Charlie in it, but I like him and Sons of Anarchy quite a bit. And I, maybe maybe it's like he could be a fantastic actor, but for some reason I don't feel like he pulled this off. And I would have really loved to see Garrett Hedlund in this. <laughs> and well, I didn't, I'd love to see Garrett <laughs> Hedlund in anything. I don't. So. And that's I, I don't want to nitpick the writing too much because the movies it's emulating, like the kaiju movies, aren't exactly very true. Yeah, I mean, so it's not like it's not better. And so, but I, maybe I expect a little more from a Del Toro movie, but. I, I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that as much. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head of that analysis. Yeah. That the kind of the type of movie it's playing homage, yeah. homage to, and like it's very much 2013's Independence Day. Yeah. And one of the guys on Slash Film said as much. He's like, if you don't like Independence Day, you'll probably hate this movie. He's like, because it's basically the same movie in terms of scale and like cheese factor and entertainment value. Yeah. It's very. It's got. A, it's got. The movie is very paint by numbers. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's really original are the Guillermo trademark lore building and production design. Every character in this is a character from another movie, but yeah. he's just done the most amazing like souffle with this movie of taking all these great <laughs> ingredients and throwing them together and making his own original recipe. It's it's awesome. I like I said, I loved everything else. Like, I wonder how you'll feel on a re- on a on a repeat viewing. I might like it more. We'll see. It's weird. The writing really didn't bug me too much, but I... Uh, I just... I felt there was, a, there was a lot of dialogue, and there was a lot... There were tons of cornball moments, like the... Oh, we'll have to get into it in this spoiler. There are definitely a few where you're just like... I would groan at this if this movie wasn't already so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did have one close to, like, welling up moment. It wasn't really crying. That's not what it is anymore. It's just, like... <laughs> it's... It's everything hurts a little. coming together and yeah. just like overwhelming me with like happiness. There was a like, moment where like I got chills. The like, first it, time, it, well, like it, it okay. happened for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Continue. So the moment, the moment where I was gonna well up, was the first synchronous hit with the two brothers in the beginning. Like for some reason, like the way that Guillermo cut it and everything, I was just like, oh. <laughs> And it okay. was just, it was perfect. Well, what about you, Tim? Do we want to save it for spoilers? Okay, if it's yeah, a spoiler, then, then we'll save it. it. Okay, yeah. so go watch the movie, come back. Do we want to do a letter grade real quick? Uh, why not? I don't know, I'll go first. Um, as, if I'm going to grade it as what it is, uh, an enjoyable summer popcorn monster flick, I'm going to have to say it's an A. Uh, as just viewed on, you know, as a movie, as a whole, probably closer to B, B minus. 
Okay. I'm going to go B. I'm going to go A. I'm going to go with a B plus. I think, uh, no, I'm going to go with the B. Because <laughs> I feel as though a really, really, really solid script would have elevated this movie, like, even beyond what it is. Like, there, I don't think there's any reason that Guillermo should have just, like, looked at the script that he had and just been like, yeah, this is all right. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what he did, and that makes me sad, because I think pick. Guillermo does more than that. But, you know, uh, this is the hand that we were dealt, and, and it was a very good movie either way. Yeah. So, all right, uh, spoilers coming up. If you don't want to hear anything, then uh, turn out. And uh, we'll be back in later. Just go la 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 for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Alright, spoiler section for Pacific Rim right now. What do we want to talk about? Tim, what was your Oh, favorite? two moments where I had chills. Um, and I just went, ah! Um, there is a shot of Mako as a child where she walks into like the destroyed city and the jets fly over her head that I was just like, oh, <laughs> like this is awesome. Like this is like that was my that was my favorite seat. That entire sequence was my favorite sequence in the movie. Then there's also a part where one of the kaiju just out of nowhere spreads freaking wings. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, ah! <laughs> this is how I, this is how I reacted when we just oh guttural noises. And you're, not, like, you're, not, you're not like me where you just well up with tears. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I have a more primal <laughs> reaction to things. You're just more <laughs> Even during sad you're moments. You're more of a man than I am, Tim. It's okay. <laughs> like they meet at the other and kiss and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> but yeah, no, th- those were the two moments I wanted to mention. Um, okay. I had a few of those too. Well, yeah. I, well, the whole segment with young uh, Mako was so good. I and I loved the way it would cut and intercut with with uh, I keep wanting to call him Jax because that's from Sons of Anarchy. Um, with Raleigh being there and then not being there was so cool. And just yeah. her little her standing there, it, it was so real. Like you were like, I'm viewing the flashback in her mind. And it was so real and so pretty with, like, the ashes falling. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's there walking through it, and it just made the whole scene just kind of do this for me, where I suddenly I was seeing it through his eyes as, like, Minority Report style, kind of voyeuristic almost. And it was very, very interesting. That whole segment I absolutely loved. But there were there were a few very jaw-dropping, like Tim with the said with, had said with the wings. But for me, the Don't one... Don't take the sword thing. The one... No, that, that's all you. That's mine. <laughs> the, uh... The shot for me that did that was when I think it was the uh, ill-fated Russian uh, kaiju, Alpha. Cherno Alpha, yes. was in the middle of fighting with that other kaiju, and the one just comes out of the water like, yeah. and just like face slams it, just comes out of nowhere and just jumps right on its back. I was like, whoa! And anything with the water, like when the when when it does this with its fist, oh. and you just see the water droplets shake yeah. off and like. That, and maybe and maybe that was another moment where I where I was close to getting overwhelmed. Is when, <laughs> well, I, when they go and do the like the know, sensei bow, the where sensei you put the bow. fist into the palm. Yeah, I, I got like, I got I definitely got overwhelmed when his brother got nabbed out of there. I was like, oh. and then the whole scene of him on the beach, like mm-hmm. spilling out of there in his suit with his like was no was this was something I was puzzled by when the when the kite or when the when the uh, 
uh, I almost call them Hectors. Yeah, when the Jaegers <laughs> get uh, when they get damaged, the just, Hectors. Well, the Hectors are from uh, Earth Defense Force. Earth Defense Force, oh, okay. which is the, the spiritual video game of this series. Uh, when the Jaegers get damaged, does the wound translate to the pilot? Because he had like he had. I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing is that I feel as though there is some sort of like. I because think, he had I think scarring within, on his left within, side, and only his left hemisphere of his body. Within the world of the the movie, because you are, uh, what's the term? Uh, mentally linked. Yeah, because because, because you the the Jaeger is kind of an extension of your body. I feel as though, like, and the the machine uses your electrical impulses as, like, a control form. If there's damage done to the arm, then it will kill the nerves that are in your arm. Like, that is true. As for, like, the blood and, like, the scratch that was on his arm afterwards, I don't know. I, I like, and it, him, yeah. like, having that, it. I guess that's what I loved about, you know, what I was saying earlier with Guillermo, not making it an origin and not necessarily spelling everything out is that I have these kind of lingering questions. They don't bother me. I think they're just more fun to think and talk yeah, about. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing is that because they're not necessarily spelled out, it's cool to go and kind of dissect what you think the movie told you in that respect. Kind of like, you know, with the... Like Tim was saying in regards to like the lore building that Guillermo does and the world building is so awesome. It's like... You know things like the the skin ticks on the on the kaiju. What yeah. the fuck are they doing with those things? Like, it's so awesome that they're Ron just like. Perlman is clearly just making money off. Of I know, but it, yeah. it's it's so brilliant to be like, here we're harvesting all this shit. Well, what's if? Don't worry about it. Like it, it's, yeah. it's not relevant to the movie. That's so cool that there's this, the acknowledgement that well the world is happening around the movie. I mean everybody's off doing stuff that doesn't necessarily pertain to the yeah. plot. Well, and the, the acknowledgement that like, you know like oh look. The kai okay, here's here's Earth as it existed. Here come the kaiju, here are the Jaegers, and now here's how the the ripples have spread and like look, there's a religion formed around the kaiju. Look, there's an economic system based around the kaiju. There's there's homes and businesses built out of kaiju remains. Like that shit is awesome. Yeah. Like just shaping the world around this massive event. And last night I had said to Gojo, I was like, you know, I'm, I was a little bummed out that, well, A, where was the Japanese Jaeger? Because, like, if any country should yeah. be like, we already built that shit. Like, <laughs> we got 20 of these yeah. waiting in the basement. <laughs> exactly. Like, and we, and I was also, I just kind of remarked, I was like, you know, where was Germany with the badass Jaeger? And he goes, well, they're not on the Pacific Ocean. And I was like, yeah, but it feels kind of weird because the whole world, they were talking about how the world got over their differences and pooled their resources. And I was like, you know, it would have been badass to see Jaegers from other countries and that that was my number one complaint with the movie was just the the movie is starts out very awesome and diverse and it's very international in scope mm -hmm. and it, it does retain that throughout the whole movie but it gets diminished slightly when two of the most badass Jaegers dead Ugh, yeah and I, and I think some of it was budget like I know there was a Jaeger that got cut from the movie because <clears> no, well not even not even budget so much as just runtime I think because I I had read a thing on reddit where somebody said Guillermo talked about how he's gonna he's gonna inject like another hour into the director's <gasps> cut. Like I guess there's yes. a lot of Jaeger stuff but. and Russian stuff and Chinese stuff that didn't make it into the movie. Because I was, I remember being kind of let down by that too, too because they introduced I can't remember the Jaeger's name Crimson. Crimson Typhoon. Typhoon. Crimson Typhoon. It's Crimson Typhoon, Typhoon with like the three arms, so and I'm like, I want to see this thing like right now. <sighs> like, show me it right now. And then you only get to see it in action for. Except it, what it really translated like two, to. Three three like, <laughs> <laughs> Tim just raising it. <laughs> 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 but, 
but you only get to see it in action for very little bit. And yeah. I, I remember like thinking to myself, this movie feels chopped a little during the second act. Yes. And this is all stuff. And this is once again, this is all stuff I feel terrible like critiquing this movie for because, like, if I was ten years old, I wouldn't care about this stuff at all. Which is obviously like this is a ten-year-old kid like fantasy, but. As an adult who is lame and just like looks and just starts picking stuff apart, like that That's stuff bothers me. No, yeah, because I, I was excited by the notion of these other Jaeger pilots, and mm-hmm. it was it kind of bummed me out in a tiny bit. Just a little bit of like white guilt, I think, that like the movie defaulted to being saved by the English-speaking yeah. countries, and I was like, it's not. <laughs> at least it wasn't just the U.S. It was kind of kick-ass that the U.S. was, like, the shitty one that nobody wanted. <laughs> Everyone's like, your machine is old and dumb, yeah. and no one wants it around. <laughs> so, fuck you. Like, yeah. I, I thought that was kind of cool. I was like, you know what, that's, that's interesting. At least Mako is Japanese, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was cool that... Another thing that I thought was awesome about the movie, now that, since you mentioned her, was she was really good. I thought she was a good character. And I loved the way the movie ended with the two of them just kind of being, like... Clearly, we have a deep bond, yeah. but we're not going to even show you if it's just that we're best friends or if it's romantic in nature. Like they hug at the end. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's that like that, that could that could have been a very easily injected sappy love story to help all the moms who had to take their kids to this movie. Or after but, their or, first but trip, they just they made it banged or something. Like, yeah, I'm glad that it was just more about they just made it. These, they, these are two co-pilots. These are two pilots, and that's all you need to know about them. This is how their stories intertwine. You know what my favorite scene in the whole movie was? The Kendo Blade fighting. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was really cool. That, that was, was pretty cool. That was my favorite scene in the whole movie. You know, Hunnam really sold that too. I was like, wow, he like looks like he's been doing yeah. this shit for. That's a long that's time. why I don't really feel like. I mean, he I, obviously he was good with the physicality and the stuff. I do I, some of his deliveries were just kind of like. And I think he was going for an anime type delivery. I think that's what Del Toro wanted, maybe, but it just never. Well, it, it didn't work for me. He loved Hunnam because he wanted to have him in like future stuff. Yeah. He's he's kind of similar in Sons of Anarchy, where he's very like. He made a lot of the same faces in this movie that he makes in Sons of Anarchy. Like the characters are are somewhat similar, but he's actually. He feels like super. His character in this was better than the character. In, like the character in Sons of Anarchy, is fascinating, but he's he's the most quick to anger, rash asshole in Sons of Anarchy. And in this movie, I was I expected that from him. And the fact that his character generally tried to show more restraint, I thought was interesting. Well, I f- that's it's funny because I try to think about it, and I don't. I have to watch the movie to, to think that's really true. But he just feels like he's overly earnest about things. See, in his I don't delivery, know. some like, yeah. and it's just like, I don't know. It just never, and all the stuff with his brother in the beginning just kind of feels like. <laughs> Who are awesome? <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was. Let, let's watch us go do this. Yeah, it was pretty broy in the. I, I thought that was I, awesome. Yeah, like, I, but I was just like, oh my god! Like, well, because why? like he like he said though in the introduction, like that's the way like, the Kaiju yeah. pilot, the Jaeger pilots, pilots are rock are. stars. Yeah, and he's, they had, he's they had so like, they had punk jackets on. It's a gypsy danger. Like, <laughs> yeah, these guys clearly suck. They I, were they were totally into the lifestyle, and then it's like this guy's never suffered a defeat in his life, and. um and when it happens, you see how he turns into this dejected migrant worker, and he's actually, in the last half, he ends up being a fairly, like, responsible, um, he's, I mean, there's a total change from when his brother dies to, to the rest of the movie. And the Australian um, guys are, you know, uh, the younger Australian guy is totally the same way. Yeah, he's like, like when he's, he's introduced, he's, he's this asshole on the news who's like, that's a new, that's a new Jaeger record, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, everybody else sucks except me. Yeah, that kind of thing. And his dad's just oh. like whatever. 
Oh, son. There's an adorable Max Martini. Bulldog Wait, okay. Absolutely. Can we jump back to Max Martini for a second? Yeah. I keep forgetting what his name was in the movie. <laughs> oh, let's talk about the names. This Hercules, has, like, Hercules Hudson? Hansel. Hey, Hercules oh Hansen. Here we go. These are right, the names actually, in the movie. I, w- I want to okay. talk about my, I'll go for it. I want to talk about my favorite Jaeger <laughs> moment. Um, there's so many to choose from. Anytime, <laughs> yeah, you didn't get to talk about his chill moment. Anytime, yeah, anytime there is a Jaeger and a Kaiju <laughs> on screen, this movie is flawless. Um, but my... the. Actually, accurate. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, it's like I, I always I always laugh at the people who like audibly react to shit in movies, but that was me this entire film. Like anytime a Jaeger did something, I was like, oh! but okay, the point when Kaiju with the wings pops out and, pff, and he carries him into space, and they're like, oh my god, our plasma cannons don't work. We have nothing left, and then uh, Mako's like, we have one thing left, and she hits the sword button. And it's, just, it's like sword button and then this like chain turns into a sword and she just cuts the thing in half I was ah! that was the noise I made when it happened ah! I just almost leapt out of my seat it was the most Japanese moment I have seen in many many years and it was just pure film glory and I'm trying to it was worth right the now, price of admission there was a moment both okay there were like 10 people in our theater maybe yeah. there was a moment where both you and I reacted very strongly and I what it is now. It was something. Well, it was cool that the movie revolved so heavily around melee combat, like you had said. It was yeah. It was all like punches and and punches. Yeah, punches. And then it's like when when yeah when we do want to do our finishing special move, we pull out the plasma the guns and the and yeah plasma cans and missiles. And if shit really gets real, we go to the swords. It might have been the it might have been the the jet elbow moment. Yes. Oh the yeah. Jet elbow. I don't know. There was something where the two of us both like went like we both like. I remember I clapped a couple times and was laughing, and, and we both, we both were laughing. I remember at it. I don't remember what it was. Was it, it was, the boat? When when she swings the boat like well, the, a the club? ship? The ship. I mean, we awesome. expected that, but yeah, that was that was in the trailer. No, it was something else. I don't remember. It okay, Hercules Hansen. Yes, is the greatest name in film. Stalker Pentecost. Stacker Pentecost. Stacker Pentecost. Stacker Pentecost is what I was going with. Yeah. Raleigh and Yancey Beckett. Raleigh Beckett. Raleigh Beckett. That's Newton, such an 80s name. Newton Geisler. <laughs> What's up? Ron Perlman is really good, too, because the way he Animal makes it. Animal Chow. Animal Chow. <laughs> All of these names are, like, ripped straight His, from, like, otaku crap. Did you guys see the credits, by the way? Did you see the I video? missed it, but I, I read about it. Yeah, I was like, I was like, what? Why would they ever kill off Ron Perlman? I, I was then, so bummed when that happened, and then at the post credits, I'm like, no. Perlman never dies. Yeah. <laughs> I like the weird thing about shoes, too. Like, Guillermo's oh. <laughs> like, you know. He has a fixation Mako, on shoes. Mako has her shoe. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> Ron Perlman's like, where's my shoe? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Um, See, stuff like that, I'm glad you mentioned the shoe. There's a heavy shoe beautiful. Just like the, yeah. the symbolism of this is the shoe I found you with as like, a girl. And here yeah, it, just you, like, you gave me the shoe. That's yeah. a classic like screenwriting thing: is take an inanimate object and apply some sentimental value to it, and it will it will add so much depth to your movie. And that and there's just this, god damn, was it beautiful? Just this bright red child's shoe contrasted with all this just horrible, dark, grim, grimy shit. It's awesome. Um, From a design standpoint, this movie is like the coolest looking, breathing, sounding movie of the summer. Like it just it. it Totally, just just dripping with atmosphere, and like 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 you were saying, Tim. It's just like the troll market scene in Hellboy too. Yeah. Like watching Charlie bumble his way through through the neon bone, the, the, bone the district, district or whatever it's district called. Of, Hong yeah, Kong was so cool. That's it was right, so yeah. cool <laughs> with the skeleton growing out of the buildings. Yeah. That was ah man. Oh, 
and just all the all the detail in the Jaegers, like whenever they would do anything, you, uh, you would always see like the water dripping off them. Uh, if they hit something, it just that would react. Yeah. Um, anytime there was like smoke or embers or something, they would. Um, one of my favorite touches was when uh, the the was striker striker Australia, Eureka. yeah, striker Eureka goes up. <laughs> it di- like blast the explosive and then like. Uh, the water, the entire ocean yeah, was gypsy danger was like, oh! and I'm like, there are these fish dropping and they're like smacking them. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck is? Oh, because there's just no water there anymore. And then the water comes back and just. And I love the way gypsy oh. danger actually went. Like it actually looked around. Yeah, like like the two of them, yeah. it was it was just so human. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was hilarious. Yeah. Then the ocean comes back. <laughs> yeah, the ocean comes cr- crashing back down. Was that an ice pack moment? Or? No. No, that would happen. I, I okay. mean, I. That, there, that's that's probably more plausible than, than a lot of other than things, the Jaegers themselves. The <laughs> massive water displacement, although a lot of it would probably evaporate, but probably not that much. Yeah. So, it was very cool. Yeah. Just, um, shout out to Clifton Collins Jr. as Tendo Choi. Yes, he was awesome. He's always very very awesome. Um, I don't know anything else. We got. 50 I just seconds. I love all I love. Just goes back to the design. Even the cost, the costume. We didn't really talk about it, but every character had a very distinct look that was very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the most outrageous examples being Ron Perlman's gold grill. <laughs> <laughs> and but like you know, Charlie Day's character had a very distinct look, and the the guy from Dark Knight Rises who was like his buddy. Baron Corbin. Um, yeah. They had, <laughs> he had a good a good unique look, and uh, it was just. It was, it was a movie that movie. that just it knew what it wanted to be. And it, and it did it. And I think that I forgive a lot of the, the questionable writing and performances because it didn't try to be um, oh, yeah, that, too much. That I was think. my Alex Welling Up moment was the, the farewell between father and son, the Australians. And oh. it's total cheese ball, like boilerplate. That's my son you got there moment. But it was like, <laughs> it was, I just didn't give a shit. Cause in the context of that movie, it was so awesome. And I was like, you know what? These two guys have problems. And in that moment, they worked it out, and it was beautiful, and it's that simple. Like, I was like, you know what? Mission it's, accomplished. It, it felt like the kind of movie that G.I. Joe ought to be, you know? The the toys smashing together, yeah. like Tim yeah. said. It was just, it's just, let's go balls to the wall, have fun with this movie. And so, I, yeah, I forgive a lot of the a lot of the faults for the it. The thing that saddens me the most about the movie is that I just, I want Guillermo to make two movies a year, and it just, he makes like one every five years. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's so such a shame because it was just an awesome original. Like like you said on the little write up on on Facebook, or whatever, it's it's doing it did well for like an original IP and a sci fi movie. And like it's just cool to see yeah. an original movie. And there there's a very good article on Slash Film that said five things that this movie did right that all the other movies of the summer have done. You know, either not as well or just flat out wrong. Yeah, and it was a, it was a good read. All right, I think that's it. Yeah. Pacific Rim. Uh, can I just say that I liked Pacific Rim? Yeah, go see it. Yeah, go yeah, see it. Please. I'm take pretty a, sure everybody in this movie supports gay marriage. Take <laughs> take a kid or a niece or a nephew or a little cousin or something and just like yeah. have a good ass. Yeah, I, I feel like Pacific Rim is more family friendly than Grown Ups 2 is in my opinion. But This is everyone friendly. I mean, there's that's the thing. There was like no like real... I mean, there was some monster gore in it, but there was nothing really objectionable. It, was, it felt like a PG movie. Yeah. yeah. Monster gore is awesome. Monster Girl was sweet, but I mean, there's nothing that's like, oh, my child should not be seeing this, you know, that kind of, I mean, yeah, you can take a kid to this movie. Kids yeah. at World War Z. <laughs> no kids at this, although we did go really late, so yeah. thankfully there were no kids. All right, 
two seconds for feedback. Victor writes in again, hey, me again. Despite what you said, I must now apologize again for what my metaphor has brought, brought on during your podcast. I did not <laughs> want this sandwich thing to get out of hand, but now I feel as though I must warn you to not make a sandwich out of ham and salt and pepper. See, in my day job, I work at a sandwich shop while I'm not up to date on DC Comics, so I do know that one, ham should always go with cheese, preferably provolone, and two, salt and pepper does not belong on a sandwich, period. I hope I caught you in time before someone took a bite for the worse. Thank you for caring, Victor. You know, you know, I, I don't think I've had a chance, Victor, to address you, um, but I, I really like sandwiches, uh, particularly with ham. Uh, if it has bacon, that's even better. Um, but I agree with you that cheese is great and should go on sandwiches. No salt and pepper, though. No salt. Why? I would you know? Pepper on you know? Ham's delicious. For real. I've gotten hot. They salt do it. They, the on, like, the sandwich artists at Subway do it, but I just know. Victor, look what dressing. you've done. <laughs> Another unwieldy. Uh, Victor, let us know what sandwich shop you work at. And what is your favorite yeah. sandwich? We, 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 don't, get a sandwich. We, don't, we don't have to read it on the air, but yeah. maybe yeah. we'll make an appearance. And, and, and you know what, Victor? Here, here's the deal. If you, you know, write into <laughs> Alex, you know which sandwich shop you work at, <laughs> we will come in together and we'll try to find you if, by some identifying mark, which will hopefully let Alex know. And I'll just walk up and be like, we'll be really cool, like it's a mafia code or something. I'll just be like, you know, they tell me that you shouldn't put salt and pepper on a ham sandwich. <laughs> Instead, it should be cheese. And you'll hand us all the money in the safe and we'll walk out or something. Like no, I just want to watch your eyes widen and be like, oh my god, this is so weird. I want to put it like a, like those sandwich shops that has like the celebrities on it. I want my picture on that. <laughs> oh my god. I want Tim doing the... MFN uh, podcast picture on the wall. I want a picture of Tim doing the Timeless Art of Seduction from Seinfeld on your wall. Because he has the same body type as... Who was it? Ian Somerhalder? Yes. <laughs> Alright, we're getting over here. The only other thing of feedback came out on Twitter from Sean Pleasance, who is at NWAHS086. And he said to us, MFN Podcast just compared Alexis Denisov's performance in Much Ado to Wesley Season 3 and Sandy Rivers. I must listen to all the podcasts. <laughs> so there you go. Thanks for listening. We'll make a lot of stupid references like that all the time. Yeah, listen to all the podcasts. You'll probably enjoy them all. All of them. Yes. Particularly the ones with Alex or Willie or Nick or Tim or Gojo on them. Yeah. So all of them, yeah. actually, that, yeah, <laughs> Lance. mathematically speaking. Or Lance, and Lance. yes. And Rick. Rick. And Rick. That is our full cast of Midwest Film Nerds. Anyway, that's about it. Um, and Mr. John did our artwork and music. Um, at MFN Podcast is our Twitter. We're also on Vine and Facebook and Instagram. Go check and those out. And the stage. For some of us? Yes, yeah. some of us are on the stage. Yeah. Um, but look for more information on our personal Twitters on the website. Uh, other than that, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Go review us and rate us on iTunes. Um, at Kyle Watt. Kyle... <laughs> oh, you biffed it. Oh, I biffed it. No, I'm sorry. Kyle X Way, gay watch a movie, go watch a movie. <laughs>
Foi tudo, foi tudo.